Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guests today are Laura Bloomquist and Phil Cole. Laura and Phil are a father-daughter duo representing Class Solutions, a medical mentoring firm that helps doctors and dentists in coaching, transitions, real estate, marketing, and now accounting and tax. Phil is the founder and lead mentor, and Laura is a transition consultant. Laura and Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. So first things first, What's it like to work as a father-daughter duo? Because years ago, my wife and I worked together. She says she quit. I say I fired her. So what's it like to do father-daughter? So far, real well. I mean, I, I got, uh, you know, three great daughters. They're hard workers. So, so far, I, I don't have to worry about it too much. As on the father side of things, she's self-motivated. And, and so she does a good job. Now, I don't know what she's going to say. Yeah, Laura, what's your take? Yeah, I think it's really cool to just learn from my dad and what he's created because it's just amazing. And so each day, I think it's just a great opportunity to learn from a pro. (laughs) So, Phil, tell me how Class Solutions started, and it's grown quite a bit. Give me the evolution story. So Reader's Digest version is just basically uh, been in the dental industry uh, for 25 years, and uh, I was in with the uh, a service provider supply company for 16, 17 years, and uh, just always had the passion for the practice management side of things and helping the doctors understand the business portion more of the business because we all know that they get a ton of education in the clinical, but they don't get anything for business. And as the supply company I was with, just kind of made changes with the company. My passion still continued to be there for the practice management transition and and stuff like that, uh, the business help. So I moved and decided that there's no better time than to start my own company and try it out. So So we've been around now for about seven years. So you burned the ships and started. Yeah, I just straight from scratch, just literally said one day, Class Solutions is is open and start uh, getting out and meeting people and show them what we can do for them. And what year was this? 15. 2015? Yep. That's fantastic. And now you've grown dramatically. You're in, I think you said 26 states. Is that right? Yeah. So we're nationwide for a lot of our verticals, but when it comes to the transitions in real estate, because of the licensing that we need, uh, we're in 26 states for the real estate and transitions. And, you, and you've got close to 30 employees. So that that's fantastic. So let's kind of go through the verticals one by one and just kind of lay out what they are and what you guys do. So our main vertical or our large, what I started with was coaching. So that vertical is made up of, of three kind of pillars. We call them, they it's made up of uh 
team and leadership, business and clinical. And so we'll go into those offices where you believe on on-site coaching um, so that we can help implement the systems that are uh, needed. So we'll, it starts off with a practice health assessment. It's about a 30-page report that goes over 120 KPIs. And what we do then is we give them a written report uh, that states what we feel they need. So we look at the, we give them a, a, the report to show that there's what's doing good, what needs to be tweaked, and what needs to be fixed because it's not there. Then we have our marketing. We do uh, full-fledged marketing uh, from websites to uh, postcards to uh, signs, whatever it is that you need on that. We have our new vertical, uh, our accounting services and tax advisory, um, which is to, to do, do a full spectrum of everything for their accounting needs. Transitions, which we will have help them sell their practice, or we also have a buyer advocacy program. We help uh, with associate shirt, uh, associate placement. That's and huge then, right now. Associate yes. placement's huge. That's so hard to. It's so hard to uh, find people. Are you having trouble with that? Yeah, it's not an easy task. So there's there's no. Uh, I would never say that there's any guarantees when it comes to that. That's just a really tough thing. But it's it's one of those things that's necessary. So I think with the transitions, though, the big thing with us is we believe in simple, fair, transparent. We're, we're definitely different uh, than, than most companies out there. We do a lifetime valuation for our doctors because we want to get into it. We want to get them into knowing what the value of their practice is when they're you know, 10, 15 years out so that they can get it to their financial planner to make sure that the financial planner knows what that value of that practice and what they can plan for for the future and other needs uh, for that. And so that's that's a big thing for us. And then last but not least is our real estate, healthcare real estate division, which we uh, help out in both buyer, seller, lease, tenant improvement, whatever we need to do when it comes to the commercial. We'll do development, uh, investment properties as well. That, that's fantastic because that's not a easy doing a remote. Obviously, guys, you have people on the site, on the ground in those local markets, but that's that's pretty serious stuff right there. So, you know, tell me kind of when someone comes to you, how do they find you and what's do they end up starting in one vertical and working their way into two, three, four, all five? How does it work? Yeah, so I mean, the verticals, it, it basically, it's kind of morphs itself on its own, right? Um, so people can come to us through maybe, like I said, uh, their practice isn't running as efficiently as they want. So then that goes into the coaching or right now, uh, startups, when it comes to the buyer side of things, startups have become very popular. So with the startup program that we have, a lot of those verticals are attached to that startup. When it comes to, like I said, with the real estate though, or the transitions, a buyer buys the practice, now wants to know how do I make sure that I make this practice successful? So once again, we have those verticals. And so it's just one of those things where for me, I wanted to make sure that we had it set up so that when a doctor asks a question, some of the main parts of the questions of the practice, we have an answer for them. And then if we don't have the vertical, I'm very big into being a team player and making sure that we have a team of 
people the surrounding us across the nation for financial planning for for builders for the development projects and different things like that so that they can feel entrusted that they have a, a sound team to help them with all their needs that's great what do you feel that your dentists need the most coaching on because that was the really the main thing that got you going with class solutions what area do and we, we talked about this offline i've talked about it on air many times is in dental school you learn technical skills but many times people are quite ignorant on the business skills because you don't learn that and so what do you find the dentists need most coaching on you know, believe it or not, I think the biggest one that we probably run across the most is team and leadership. The doctor just doesn't have a good functioning team. There's problems, uh, there's feuding, there's just whatever, they're not getting along well. Uh, the front doesn't know what the back's doing. The back doesn't coincide, you know, doesn't like what the front does to them and stuff. I think that's one of the big ones. And so team and leadership is, is just really huge to make sure that everybody's focused. I also think that nowadays with how hard it is to find uh, people to work in the dental practice, dentists just grab whatever they can get as far as an employee. And they're not really doing personality profiles, making sure that they're the right person and they have the right core values for the practice. So once again, team and leadership there. And then I would say the other probably big coaching aspect is just knowing, like you mentioned, they got the clinical down pretty good, but just don't understand the business KPIs or key performance indicators of the practice. They don't pay attention to them. And so they run around like a chicken with their head cut off, wondering why they're not making as much money. And it's all because they're not paying attention to the business numbers. Well, it's interesting because I've seen dentists who own their own practice, and I've said this numerous times on the podcast, who it's like they own a job. It's a good job, but they own a job. And the income might be somewhere between 250 and 350. It's going to vary depending on where you're at in the country. But then you see people who are a business owner who happen to be a dentist, and those guys make seven figures and above. And some of the numbers I've seen are would blow some people's minds. It's crazy. And then of course you have a lot of people in the middle, kind of like the six, five, six, seven hundred range. But do you see the same thing where people either own a job or they are a business owner who happens to be a dentist in many respects? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that there's many times the uh, way I look at it is, is the practice either owns the doctor or the doctor owns the practice. The doctor that has uh, is willing to implement systems and implement protocols and understand how to monitor those and pay attention. I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, if I ask a doctor, but you know, what's your break-even point, they'll ask me, what is a break-even point? So when you have that situation, those are the kind of, those are to me, the doctors that are having the practice run them. Those who know those numbers though, uh, and know you know, your major KPIs of your practice, they're the guys that sky's the limit. I mean, that's just literally where do they want to, you know, go? What kind of comfort level do they want? Some are wanting to only work three days a week, but they're still outproducing the guy that's working six days a week. So, so when, when the practice owns the doctor, what advice do you give them? I mean, usually I, I'm going to assume 
that you got to baby step them. They're not going to be like, oh, I just do this. Everything's fine. It, it's good. It's a process. It's a mindset shift. What, what, what are your first steps for those people? So I think the, the big thing for us is to find out what is your, what's your, you know, top three uh, main pain points, right? And then making sure that uh, with us, we, we want to be on site with that coaching uh, to help implement the, the things that are needed. And so to me, it's like riding a bike, right? I mean, you, we're going to stand beside them, run alongside the bike until the, we know that they feel comfortable and being able to do it on their own. And so for me, that's, I think the big thing is just getting those major pain points first, making them see that coaching, you know, cause consulting out there is sometimes uh, considered a, a bad word, but to understand that coaching is something that is really good for the practice can really make things life easier. Um, and when doing that, of course, the profits come. Yeah, that, that's great. And, and how long do you think it takes to make the transition from the practice owning you to owning the practice? I would say that anybody, I mean, it, it's always going to depend on the individual, right? I right. mean, if you've got the, the individual that's being more timid, that what I would call in the, in the DISC personality profile, an I or something like that, that's going to be a little bit longer process. The Ds, you know, that are just... My base, they're going right Yeah, out. going after it, get it, get, let's get it done. There'd be less. But I would say overall in general, I would say it's as safe to say that usually 12 months. 12 months for them to really start, you know, diving in, seeing major results and going, okay, this is this. Now I want to go to the next level. That's exciting. And you have you seen a, have you guys had a lot of success in helping clients make that transition? So right now in, in the coaching world of things, uh, we're averaging in a 12 month period, about 175 plus in profits. So our average. Well, hold on. Let, let's, yep. let's break this down because we're throwing percentages out here. So, if my profits are a hundred a hundred thousand dollars, you're saying in twelve months you're seeing a hundred seventy five percent profit increase, which would take us to two seventy five in twelve months. So I, I want to make sure the listeners know that. So I'm pulling my 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 calculator out here. So if you have five hundred thousand dollars in profits. That's going to put you at 1.25 million in profits. I mean, those are phenomenal numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, case by case scenario, but yes, I mean, that's that's one of those situations where when we can really get that, like I said, our practice health assessment and dive into those things, there's a lot of money. You know, there's always that... Um, that uh, story where people always say that when you used to be the paper charts, we always as transition guys and stuff and coaches would walk in and say, there's, there's a million dollars sitting in those folders. And doctors would always say, no, we, we run a really good practice. And you would do it the old fashioned chart audit. And when we pull those out, we'd go through and see all the treatments that were presented, but weren't accepted. We would look at all the different, you know, you're not doing the amount of full mouse that you should be. You don't have this, 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 and this. And next thing you know, and inside those charts, it's like, yeah, it's actually $1.5 million that you have sitting in here. Now it's how do you grab it? And you can't grab it all at once. Um, I think that's maybe the biggest thing that I would, if, if anything, is making sure that everybody understands that because you got a million dollars sitting in your computer, Five charts right now doesn't mean you can grab a million dollars in 12 months 
it's yeah, going to take some time. It is a process. And you've, like you said, you've got to create the systems. You have to create the mindset. And it doesn't happen in a week or a month. It's a process. And you need help someone holding your hand, guiding you, coaching you like you're talking here. Let's talk about a little bit of a polarizing topic for some people. You have transitions as one of your verticals in your business. And obviously DSOs are out there and they are buying up everything like crazy, or at least it seems that way. What is your take on the DSO world? And talk about what you guys do in the transitions vertical. So, I mean, DSOs just... To be 100% honest, on my side of things, DSO is just a bad word for us. We believe in transitions going pra- you know, from single practice to single practice or from doctor to doctor. Well, let me interrupt you. I, I know dentist clients who would rather just close the doors on their office before they sold to a DSO. They're going to sell it to another dentist. They want to pay it forward that way. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard of DSO, someone selling to a DSO, and the DSA... There was DSO ruined their name or ruined the practice or it was miserable. And so there's plenty of war stories to go around. Yeah, and I've had them in my own experience as well, right? Um, where the, the DSOs, where the doctor ended up suing to get his, his practice back and different things like that. You know, ultimately said and done, to me, here's the, the, the major difference between us transitioning practice to practice versus DSO. These guys have created a legacy. They've worked for 30, 40 years. They've created what is a goodwill practice that is basically their family, right? It's another member. It'd be like my daughter, Laura, if I it, with Class Solutions. This, this is a service-oriented, it's a goodwill business. So it becomes my baby. And so you want that to go to somebody that's going to carry that on versus a DSO is total profit. There is nothing behind, they don't care about the image, they don't care about anything, they don't care about the goodwill that's built into that practice, except for what they want is, is how much can I get each one of those hygienists and dentists that are considered the providers of that practice, how much can I get out of them? You know, So to me, it's they're like a sponge. How much water can I wring out of these guys to make the most amount of money? And I think the thing that the big thing, and I'll say one more thing, is I think the big thing that they don't understand is, is most of these DSOs, they're private equity firms that are only trying to buy you up so that they can sell to the next bigger DSO. And so it's one of those evils, right? So to do that, they have to buy you up and they have to make you as profitable as possible within three to five years so they can sell you and the other 10 practices they bought to the next person, to the Heartlands, to the Aspens, and so there's no one's going to buy, buy you out and give you these multiples that they hear all the time, because we get it all the time. Doctors will say, you know, I, oh, I'm getting a multiple of four. You're not getting that multiple without something being sacrificed. Well, it, it's funny because I've heard stories of people getting crazy multiples, but 90 days later, they were so miserable, they walked away. So they gave up 25% of that multiple by walking away after 90 days. You'll also say, hey, here's a multiple of, you know, a really high multiple. And, but slowly over the four to five month period, they nickel and dime you down and you agree to a price of X. And now you're, you're getting like, you know, a million dollars less than you thought you were getting. So 
you know, you could easily argue that the low interest rate environment we've been for the last decade is why private equity is doing this. And with interest rates rising, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But they are in the business of, you know, and they're not paying a retail price that they, they, they like to kind of come down and get a discount. They're, they're very shrewd and very smart people. So it's it's an interesting dynamic, to say the least. And I think the other thing that's important with it, too, is, is you know, when when DSOs first came around, there was the 90-10. You know, we pay 90% up front, but you got to work with us for a year. And then you get the other 10% after that year if you hit these numbers. Then it's 80-20. Then it went 70-30. And we're in the 60-40 now where you, you, you're, they're making you stick for around. Five, They've year done five years. And all yeah. these promises these promises are like, oh, we're going to recapitalize and you're going to make a gajillion dollars. And that is pure speculation. Yeah, pure absolutely. Speculation. I mean, maybe it happens, but there's just a good chance that it doesn't happen. And every DSO, to me, once again, it's every DSO says the same thing, but we have a different platform than the rest. They're all the same. They just tweak it. And I will say they're, they're excellent at hiring some of the top sales reps there is because when those guys get in front of the dentist, they convince them. And so to me, I think the biggest thing that anybody that's listening to this seller wise needs to understand, we have buyers across the country, all over the place. It so does not so take us three question. seconds to find a buyer. That's a good, great question. So the argument is that the DSO will pay more than the retail buyer will pay. And so if it's about retirement and money, and, you know, I'm I'm 65, I'm 70 years old, I've been practicing for 35, 40 years, whatever, and I need to maximize my retirement. And, you know, this young kid out of school, this kid who's been an associate for five years, he's only going to pay me $5 million, but I can go get $8 million from a DSO. Is that a legitimate argument or is that not the whole story? It's not the whole story. And I think the other biggest problem is, is once again, is are you forced to do that? Versus us, that's the reason why we created a lifetime valuation. I want you to get your practice evaluated when you're 45. I know you're not thinking about retiring at 45, but I want you to get your valuation and now over the course of your career, continue to work with your financial planner and get that where you need it to be so that when it comes time to selling the practice, it isn't something that you're depending on to make sure you hit your retirement numbers. I think that's the biggest mistake. And that's one of the questions that I tell all my transition guys and gals all the time is ask them, is this practice part of your retirement package? Or so is it needed or are you selling it? And it's just extra money. When it's extra money, then once again, you're going to now go into what we feel is the most important. You're gonna be able to find the right person you're going to put up the right philosophy. The person that coming in is going to have the right philosophy is going to want to make sure that that legacy continues. Uh, and it's just an extension of the previous doctor versus like you said, in the very beginning, coming in and we're now just a store, you know? So as we wind down here, what advice would you give to a brand new dental school graduate? The most important thing to me, what, as soon as you get out of school, surround yourself with a good team. You know, Class Solutions, we'd love to have anybody uh, to be part of our team. 
but if not, find good ones and make sure they're make sure they're dental specific. I think the biggest mistake is you get cousin Joey to be your accountant and you're going to buy a practice and your, you know, uncle Joe is a bankruptcy lawyer and he's going to look over the contracts and stuff, but he doesn't know anything about a transit of what should be in a transition stuff. We see it all the time. So to me, the biggest advice, get a good team of dental professionals, surround yourself and rely on them. Take their their comments throughout your career with them because they will guide you uh, and put you in the right place. Now, last question. I'm a big reader. I read a lot. And if, if you're a reader, what's a good book you recommend or what's a great book you've read recently? For a dentist, I would say The Servant or My Why. I think those two are very, very important books for them to understand. My Why, is that like Simon Sinek's start? Yes, yes. Simon Sinek's. Yeah. yeah. That, so that's, that's great advice right there. Yeah. I mean, without a doubt, those two make sure that you have your, your purpose. And I would say the, anything that would uh, include anything that would include core values, make sure you set your practice up with, with your core values and let your core values run your practice. When that, when you let your practice be run through your core values, you will have nothing but success guaranteed. Yeah, that's good insight right there. You know, Laura and Phil, I really appreciate your time today on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 161390322. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021. 119535 expiration April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance, license number 16139032. California Insurance, license number 0L10073. 2022-140570, expiration 0724. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.